Inter Miami made progress in its last game, but it was still not enough to avoid a third straight defeat, and the playoff hopes took another hit as a result. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. I am half of your co-hosting team of this podcast, the number one podcast on Inter-Miami. My name is Franco Panizo. Joining me today is a special guest. His name is Dairon Quiroz, my Venezuelan friend on the Inter-Miami beat. Dairon, how are you doing today? Franco, thanks uh, for the invitation. It's a pleasure for me to be here with you. I'm, I'm doing great, man. Uh, ready to, to evaluate, to, to talk about Inter-Miami that... It doesn't end to, like, at, at the end, we don't see the Inter-Miami that we expect to see. And and that's something that for this moment, looking at Nashville, I always like to compare Inter-Miami with Nashville because mm-hmm. they were born at the same time. You know that. And and looking looking at the, the results that Nashville uh, has had during this season, you say, like, okay, okay with, with the players that uh, Phil Neville has right now, they should be a little bit better. Yeah, no, they absolutely should be better. They should be not in the situation they're in. Right now they are seven points behind the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference after Wednesday's mm-hmm. 1-0 loss to Atlanta United. And obviously there's only eight games left in the season. So time is running out for Inter-Miami to make a real playoff push. It's still there for them, but we're going yeah. to we're going to touch on that. We're going to touch on the upcoming game against the Portland Timbers. We'll also do the Q&A session, which is standard here yeah. on the podcast. And this is your first time here. So looking forward to seeing how, how you do in all these factors. Quickly, just to let the listeners know a little bit more about yourself. Dido, what, yeah. what, give them a little bit of more background. What do you do? You know, How long have you been doing it? And anything else you want to add there? Well, from the beginning, I want to apologize, guys, uh, listeners, uh, and you, Franco. If my English is not that... Uh, perfect. It just no. It's uh, good, man. I, it's good. It's good. My English I'm, is not I'm very sorry. good looking. <laughs> <laughs> as Mar- as Mark Anthony, Mark Anthony, no, Celia Cruz used to say that. Yeah, Celia Cruz used to say that. Well, uh, I'm from Venezuela. I'm a sports journalist. I graduated in in Colombia, in Medellin. Although I'm from Venezuela, I graduated in Colombia because of of everything that, that was happening in, in in my country. I started my first steps there, working in in uh, RC, RCN Television, it's the name in Spanish. It's uh, a very important bro- uh, broadcast television in, in Colombia. I did some uh, paper job, a uh, newspaper job there with uh, El Espectador. And I ended up here, Franco, and, and talking about soccer and talking about MLS, one of the reasons that I came to the United States, it was because... Uh, I had many trips to to United States. My family have been living here for for a long, and and I saw how the MLS was growing. I know that's not the subject that we are talking today, mm-hmm. but I saw how this league was starting to grow, was starting to bring uh, players to to make this league bigger. So I I saw that uh, potential in the league, uh, but I I, I I say to myself in that moment, I wanna I, I wanna be part of that. I wanna grow. Me, my career, because I'm pretty young, I'm just 26, I want to grow with my career with the MLS. But we are almost the same age, because they are 26. <laughs> that's, true. that's true, that's true. And, and, and that's the reason why I came here, and we have a, a radio program in VDM Radio, with some fellas that you already know too, Pablo Garcia and Juan Carlos Guerrero. Uh, Monday and, and Tuesday, we are there, speaking in Spanish, though. But we are there talking about uh, soccer, sports in general, and I have another, and I have a podcast that, if you allow me to, yeah, go uh, for it, brother. Tell tell the the guys so they they go to listen to it. I have a podcast called Sports Chat. It's in every platform. You can go to Apple Podcasts or to Spotify or to anything, and it's about interviews. We I, I interview people there uh, about the world of sports, coaches, uh, players, fans. Uh, psychologists, like different persons around uh, the world of sports. So you are more than welcome to to pass by too. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'll take you up on that for sure. Now, also give people your Twitter handle in case they don't follow you because they should follow you. You do cover Inter Miami on a regular basis. So share that with the people as well. So guys, you can can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at uh, DyronKiroz.S. At Dairon Kiros S. Dairon is with Y. K 
ketosis with Q and Z. And after the Z, you put the S. That's that's my Twitter. That's my Instagram. We try to cover Inter Miami and especially all, all, all what happens with the Venezuelan players here in MLS and, and everything around it, no? Yeah, and there's an Venezuelan international on Inter Miami now. Christian Macuna has been called up. We'll touch mm-hmm. on that as well. So we've got a lot to get into. So, Daidon, let's get to it. Okay, Daidon, so we're going to start by previewing the upcoming game against the Portland Timbers that happens on Sunday afternoon at Providence Park in Portland, Oregon. Inter Miami's first trip up there to the Pacific Northwest. They haven't even traveled there yet up until this game, actually. So let's touch on that first, and then we'll preview, or excuse me, review the game against Atlanta United in the second segment. What kind of game do you expect from Inter Miami in this one? Given the situation they're in, like we mentioned before, seven points out. Eight games to go. They need to start picking up victories if they're going to try to make up that ground and, and close the space and try to get back into the playoff picture. What do you think we see from Inter Miami tomorrow? Do you see a defensive-minded team? Do you see a team that attacks more? What do you see from Inter Miami going into this one? Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be a difficult one, you know, because Portland, it's definitely a team that knows how to play. They they are under Gio Savarese. By the way, he's Venezuelan. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very fitting that we have you on the show this week because yeah, yeah. because I, we've I got Venezuelans. On <laughs> I think I did because we have Venezuelan head coach for the Portland Timbers. We have Joseph Martinez, yeah. the Venezuelan scoring for Atlanta United. Christian Macoon, who's who who just got called up by Venezuela, and now we have you on the pod. So very fitting to have you on. But sorry, yeah, I, conti- it, continue on there. No, don't worry. Every, everything fits. I, I I'm sure that you did it on purpose. You, <laughs> you don't miss. You, you don't miss anything. But then. So it's it's a, it's a team that it, that it's in, right now in the playoff. They are six. Uh, they know how to play this league. They have uh, very very veteran uh, players. Actually, they are one of the teams with the highest average of age in the whole league. And Inter Miami, we need to see a more. It's it's just so difficult, Franco. You know because when when you listen to Phil Neville uh, talking in in press conference, you've been there. Many times or whole the whole times, yeah. And he he speaks about uh, needing or at least in the last two games he he spoke about needing a, a more defensive team. But what I see is a team that needs to score. Yeah, I I, I did saw uh, I did see that in the last two games, but not in the whole season. They are having this problem of not scoring goals in the whole season, and, yeah. and uh, we're talking about the, the offensive part. And they right now that are the the second lowest team scoring goals in, in the whole MLS. I think they're the, I think Just, they're the lowest. No, I believe they're the lowest right now. They're they're even are, behind Austin. They? They're behind Austin FC. Austin, Austin has hold on one second. I'm pulling it up here on the phone. Austin has 27 and, and Inter Miami has 25. Yeah, so Inter Miami right now is the lowest scoring team in the in the entire league. <clears throat> so that is the, that's the thing. For example, against uh, Atlanta United. Inter Miami just lost one zero, mm-hmm. but they did. They didn't manage to score one goal, and that's the thing you, you, against New York Red Bulls and, and and Nashville that were the big results. Okay, they conceded five goals or four or four goals, but how many? The question is how many occasions did Miami created? Not many. None. Not many. Or or, or 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 very not not many. So that's that's what I need to see from this Inter Miami, especially in this. Eight games. I need to see an offensive team. Yeah, I I agree that they need to become a little more attack minded. Look, in this last game, and I, I said we're going to preview and then review, but we obviously obviously have to touch on the most recent game to talk about the upcoming game. So they need to improve the attack. In the last game, they got their defensive solidity back. They were able to improve their performance from that yeah. from that regard, but still leave a lot to be desired when it comes to playing with the ball, creating things in the final third, finishing things in the final third, and that's not been an issue just in the game against Atlanta United. It's been an issue, like you said, for much of the entire season. Now, look, we've, t- we've touched on this podcast quite a bit as to why Inter-Miami maybe plays with five at the back. The team has a lot of deficiencies, a lot of weaknesses, and their best run of form this season has come when they've played with that five at the back and they were grinding out yeah. results or finding ways to get victories. I like it. But it, it suits the team. It plays to its strengths and covers up its weaknesses. However, 
they need to do more in the attack. They're going to have to take more risks because in order to make up the ground in the remaining matches of the season, they have to score goals. And to score goals, you go you have to put you have to put the ball in the back of the net, of course, but you have to push more numbers forward and take chances. So I asked Phil Neville that in the pregame yeah. press conference on Friday. I asked him, you know, how does he balance out the need for the defensive solidity with all, with also knowing that he needs goals to win games. So, you know, he, he touched on that in general terms, didn't leave a whole lot. I think they're going to stick with the five-man backline. I don't think they're going to change the, the formation based on his response. But I yeah. do think that we might see some different personnel because in his lengthy reply, he said, we need to get as many goals on the field as possible, which means they're going to get their more attack-minded players on the field in some capacity. So I imagine you'll, you know, you'll see Robbie Robinson, you'll see Gonzalo Higuain, Rolfo Pizarro, maybe an Indiana Vasilev in addition to Lewis Morgan. We'll see, I'll see how they approach it, but I, I can imagine that they're going to stick with the five-man back line, but maybe also change, change little things here and there, maybe with personnel, to try to to get more of an attacking punch out of this team because they've been yeah. sh- they've been shut out eleven times this season eleven times yeah. and and obviously that combined with the low goal scoring output is is a concern. The the problem, Franco, if you, if you allow me, the problem for for Inter Miami or for the teams in general, the problem is not the formation. The problem is not as uh, some coaches say like uh, the telephone number. You know <laughs> the the three five uh, two or the four four two. That's that's not the problem. The problem is what you do with that formation, which is the uh, what is what every player has to do in that scheme, and that's where Inter Miami is failing. They they found some some uh, solid uh, team in that uh, five in the back, you know, and I like it because Lewis Morgan he can do the whole uh, the whole pitch. He he can run front and back. But I need to see him more in, in, in the attack zone, you know? Because he, he's a very good player. See, but that, player. I disagree with you. I don't I think the formation does play a big part in, in what okay. ha- in what happens in terms of the the posture of the team. Because if you have, like you just said, and Lewis Morgan is the perfect example of this. If you have him playing as a wing back, he obviously mm-hmm. has the ability to get forward. He's he's asked to get forward and try to whip in some crosses. But he also has more defensive responsibilities than if he's playing as a right winger or a right midfielder like, he was, right. like, like he was last year under Diego Alonso. So we've seen now his impact offensively take a hit because now he has to do more work defensively. Now he can do it. He's been doing it at a pretty decent level, but it limits how much you can get out of him in the attack because he's making, yeah. he's making, he's now making more defensive movements and actions. And that obviously yeah. takes away from what he can provide up in the attack. He's also playing in a, a bit further back, but let's go going back to the Portland Timbers, going back to what they will provide for Inter Miami. It's a team that has not lost since late August. They are unbeaten in the last six games their last loss was against the seattle sounders on august 29th since then they have won five games and tied one so they're a team that comes into this sunday matchup in pretty good form it's going to be quite a challenge for inter miami portland timbers have a lot of good attacking players like yeah you know yimmy chara they have Diego Valeri. They've got quite a bit of talent and the atmosphere at Providence Park. I don't know if you've ever been to a game there. I have, and it's rocking there. The Timbers Army always brings it, and it's going to make for a pretty tough match for Inter-Miami when you yeah. factor all those things in. So I think Inter-Miami is going to look to be defensive. I, look, I think they're going to try to keep that zero at the back and, again, pick and choose their spots because this team, this Portland Timbers team, is a very good team. They can score goals in many different ways. So I don't expect Inter Miami to try to come out and go toe for toe with with the Portland Timbers on the road at Providence Park. But that's just what I, I expect from Inter Miami tomorrow. Yeah. I, I, I listened in the first half, and one of the things that that, that they need to take care of that is it's uh, something that I saw against Nashville that they didn't uh, resolve that well. You remember in, in, in that game, uh, Hani Mukhtar, we were talking just about him. He will move a, a lot uh, behind the first line of, of midfielders. I, I don't remember if Gregory was playing that game. I think that that was the game where he saw the red card, right? Yeah, he was playing as a center back in that game. 
he was playing as, as a center back, yeah. And it, uh, and there was uh, Blaise Matuidi and... Uh, Jay Chapman. Jay Chapman. Jay Chapman. Thank you, Franco. And and Hani Mukhtar will uh, run a lot behind them, beh behind Chapman and behind Matuidi. And that hurt, uh, hurt a lot Inter Miami. And I think that that's one of the things that they have to take care of uh, against Portland because they have Sebastian Blanco that he does that a lot. The number 10 of Portland Timber, he is very good with the ball on his feet. Uh, he knows how to move between the lines, the, the defensive line, line and the midfield line. And it's a player that they have to uh, take care of. Uh, Inter Miami, in, in the beginning, uh, Franco, you, you can confirm me that, uh, they are already have all the players, right? They, have, they will have Gonzalez Pires, they will have uh, Nico Figao. Yes. Uh, Gregory is going to be Gregory's back, on, back on, yes. the, on the midfield, on the midfield yeah. line. That's important for them. But they need to be careful with Sebastián Blanco, who is very, very uh, good with the ball in his feet, especially where I, where I told you in that gap between the defensive and the midfield line. And Jimmy Chara is such a fast uh, player that Lewis Morgan... It's the one that has to take care of if yeah. he's gonna play in that in that line. Yeah, because Yimichara lines up on the on the left wing, very quick attacker, very dynamic. So that will give Lewis Morgan quite a, a challenge defensively, assuming they stick with that five man backline. Which uh, you know, again, we we think that 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 will be the case. Yeah. Now for Inter Miami, what is the key to the game for you? What is the key? What do they have to do tomorrow to? Maybe not win. Maybe this is one of those games. Obviously, they need points and they need to win. But maybe this is one of the games where they say, look, just getting a draw, getting a point out of this one is enough. And obviously, they need to score goals, right? They need to win games. But I think in this one, the key to the game is being defensively solid. Because if you try to go toe-for-toe -toe with the Portland Timbers, I think you're in for a long day. Obviously, Inter Miami needs to win. And I think that they're going to have to take more risks in the games to come. I just don't think in this one... This is the time to do so. I do think that after this match, you know, I don't know if they change the formation, but they're going to have to start throwing more numbers forward in, or, in order to to try to make up ground. But I think in this one, just trying to stay solid at the back is the key to to being able to stay in it and maybe even pluck one in. If you can keep the Portland Timbers at bay, yeah. maybe you can get an, an opportunistic finish at the other end. Maybe you can get a set-piece goal at long last or a penalty kick, you know, maybe a handball like Inter Miami had against Atlanta United. So I think... The defense is the key in this one. What about you? Yeah, I, like I agree with you because uh, a solid defense is what they need to to get back to. Mm, a point will be great for them, but the thing is that the the the, the next two games for Inter Miami and I don't want to go too far uh, are some very difficult ones too because they have to face New York Red Bulls and they have to play against Columbus Crew that they, Inter Miami beat Columbus Crew, but Columbus Crew in that moment wasn't this Columbus Crew. And if I am honest, Portland Timbers are maybe one of the, I'm not going to say the easiest one, but the less difficult one, Portland Timbers between New York Red Bulls and, and Columbus Crew. I, I would, see, I, I think differently. I think Portland Timbers away with all the factors that go into it, even with a, a full-strength team, I think that's a tough challenge. I think it's a pretty tough ask of Inter Miami, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how they go because Phil Neville said in the in the pregame press conference again on Friday, he said you know they're going to have all their players again, and this is the first road trip that they've had where they've they've really been able to to bond a lot more. Which I mean, it's true that they haven't really traveled like this for an extended time this season. You know, they, they go the day before the game or the day of games, they fly out, and then they fly back either that same night or the next day after they play the matches. So they haven't really had extensive road trips this year, and that's due to the scheduling and due to, obviously, COVID protocols and whatnot. But this is the first time they've had a few days in a row together away from South Florida. And he said that, you know, it's helped them come together a bit more, learn more about each other. I still think that that's a bit concerning if, you know, at this point in the season, you're mm. still talking about chemistry. But, yeah, but that, that's what I was going to say. Like, we've, we've, we've listened to that Phil Neville's talk since, I don't know, three or four or five games ago. So I'm kind of tired of, of, of it, you know. I, I would like to, to see the results of the 
team for how they play, not how they get along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although they have to get along, but this is not a moment in, in, in the game 28 to, to be talking about this. Yeah, so I think that we'll see, in terms of the tactics and the formation, I think this will be the team that we see on... On Sunday afternoon, it'll be Nick Marsman in goal. I think you'll see Lewis Morgan as the right wing back, Kieran Gibbs on the opposite flank as the left wing back, and then your center back trio will be from right to left. Leandro yeah. Gonzalez Pires, Nicolas Vigal, and Christian McCoon. I think they stick with that three man midfield that we saw in the game against Atlanta United. I think from I do, Phil, I do Phil Neville maybe dropped enough crumbs there where I think that that's what's going to happen because. He touched on having Victor Ulloa, Gregory, and Blaise Matuidi in that midfield three, as, as we've seen at times this season. Victor Ulloa should also be back and available for this one. He did some training at Mercedes-Benz Stadium post-game on Wednesday night. So he's expected to be available for this game against the Timbers, but I obviously don't think he's going to start. And going back to what Phil Neville said, Phil Neville said that you know having him, Blaise, and Gregory in that midfield maybe. They're two similar characteristics, right? They're they're more players that break things up, not necessarily players that create a whole lot. Whereas Pizarro is a bit more attack-minded, a little bit more creative. So having yeah. him in that midfield line of three or, or in that midfield three helps them have different characteristics, which can not only help them improve in terms of creating things for the attack, but also just generating better sequences of moving the ball uh, from right to left, up and down. So I think we'll see Pizarro. I think we'll see Gregory. And I think we'll see Blaise Matuidi in that midfield three. And then up top, I think we'll see Gonzalo Higuain and Robbie Robinson. I don't know if they'll play side by side or if you know we'll see, they'll do what they did against Atlanta United with Gonzalo dropping as a fit foe number 10 and, and trying to distribute and create for Robbie Robinson. But I imagine that that will be the, the lineup that Inter Miami goes with. Do you think they'll have any changes, or is that this? Do you think that'll be the lineup tomorrow? No, no, I, I like it. I think that that's gonna be the lineup too. And I was going to add that one of the key uh, of these games too are the balls that they can get to 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 Gonzalo Wayne in the last quarter of the of the pitch, you know. Uh, but I'm saying this because Gonzalo Wayne, in my opinion, he hasn't had a bad season uh, in these games, you know, in this season. Uh, he has to score 10 goals with what they have, with what they do, especially, not with what they have, because they have good players, but they don't do uh, a good offensive uh, game. And Gonzalo Huayn, nevertheless, has managed to, to, to score some goals. And, and he, I think that he can still do, keep doing it as long as uh, Rodolfo Pizarro can, uh, and not just Pizarro, I'm talking about Morgan, I'm talking even about Christian McCoon that he likes to to make those uh, to make those long passes and 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 skip that midfielder uh, line all those passes that they can get to Gonzalo Wayne in the last quarter I know I mean we we know Gonzalo Wayne he's a star player he's been good in my opinion Franco I don't know what you what 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 you say about it uh, I think that he can make one difference you know considering that uh, Inter Miami can maybe uh, prioritize uh, the solid defense in this game. Uh, I think that as many uh, balls they can get to Gonzalo Wayne, they will be able to uh, score at least one or two goals. Tyron, so give me a prediction. What do you think happens in this one for Inter Miami? Do they get three points that they need? Do they get one that maybe maybe for this match is, is enough? Or do they suffer a fourth straight defeat? What do you think? Man, like... I, I would really like, because we as, as journalists, I don't have a team, but I cover Inter Miami every weekend, so I would like, he, I would like the team to, to, to be good in the season. But uh, in, Yeah, in the season. But I got to be honest, I, I don't see Inter Miami winning against Portland. I think that they are, as, as I told you, Portland is a very difficult team. It's a team that they know how to play uh, this league. They, they need, they're still needing some wins to to be sure about the playoff right now, and it's gonna be tough for Inter Miami. But I see them. I I, I see them losing against Portland. I'm so sorry. How do, do you see them? Do you want Do you want to give a score prediction, or, no, or are you just gonna say that they lose? Two zero. Two zero. Okay. Yeah, for Portland. I think that Inter Miami scores in this one, but I don't think that they win. I think that they suffer a three to one defeat, and I just think the Portland Timbers are. 
better than them. They they're functioning better than better run of form. Inter Miami is still not looking like a very convincing side. Obviously, they've surprised us before this season and pulled out pulled out results that maybe we didn't expect. So we'll see what what happens. But obviously, it's a tough challenge for Inter Miami on Sunday afternoon. A win would be very big for their playoff push but let's leave it there for now Dido. we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to return to review and recap and analyze the most recent match the winners or loss to atlanta united we'll do that after this you're not going to come here and cut them open uh, with five six seven you know eight opportunities but what you what we have created tonight are two really two or three really outstanding chances where we need to be ruthless or you need to just bang the ball in the back of the net and, and, and that's what that's what probably it's been our downfall a lot this season in terms of that ruthlessness in the final third, the, the clinicalness of sticking it in the back of the net. Uh, and, and ultimately, that probably cost us. Okay, Dairon. So, as we know, as we've just mentioned, Inter-Miami suffered a 1-0 loss to Atlanta United at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. I was present in attendance at the game here. And, I was it. Yeah, I mean, I've been to Mercedes-Benz before for MLS Cup 2018. Portland Timbers played in that final against Atlanta United. Atlanta United won that one. But yeah, it was, I mean, the stadium is as... That's an amazing stadium, right? Yeah, it's a $1 billion stadium, if I'm not mistaken. So it was as gorgeous as I remember it. Uh, They still have the the super fast ice cream dispenser in the press box, which is a a notable thing, at least for me. Um, (laughs) No, and look, I had two buddies that went to the game as well. Their first inter-Miami match. They're both South Floridians, although one lives in Atlanta now. And, you know, they, they thought the stadium was spectacular. Obviously, the atmosphere inside with the noise being kept in since it's mostly a closed roof, although the middle part opens and it was open, it does stay yeah. in and it makes for a pretty good atmosphere. So that, the stadium that was, is going to be that is going to be a stadium for the 2026 World Cup for sure. But most likely. I mean, I, I would expect so. Anyway, going back to this game, this is the lineup that Inter Miami fielded. They had Nick Marsman in goal, Lewis Morgan as the right wing back, and on the left side was Kieran Gibbs. Your center back trio were Leandro Gonzalez Pires on the right, Kelvin Leardam as the modern day sweeper, and on the left side was Christian McCoon. The midfield was yeah. comprised of three players, as we mentioned before, and it had Jay Chapman as the deep lying player, Rolfo Pizarro as an 8 slash 10. And plays Matuidi next to him as an eight as well. So that was your midfield trio in an inverted triangle. And up top were Gonzalo Higuain and Robbie Robinson with Gonzalo Higuain dropping a little bit and Robbie Robinson playing higher up to try to stretch the 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 defense. So that's the lineup Phil Neville goes with. Inter-Miami improves from what it had shown in the last two games. It didn't get blown out. It was much better defensively for much of the game. Still had some problems at times, but was better. And they get undone with a penalty kick from Joseph Martinez, his 100th goal for Atlanta United in all competitions. Venezuelan At, too. Yes. Everything yes. fits, man. <laughs> and that comes off of a handball call on Leandro González Pires in the penalty area. Let's start there. Let's start there. Be- yeah, let's start there before I'm we dive sure into the game it. because obviously it was a, it was a talking point uh, yeah. after the game. Was that a handball? Do you think it was a handball, or do you think it was not a handball? I'm guessing, based on what you just uttered there, that you don't think it was a handball. No, for, for me, it wasn't, you know, because what else can Leandro González Pires do, you know? I, I saw the I saw the, the rep, and, and Leandro clearly tries to put his hand behind his back way before the ball hits, you know? It wasn't like the ball hits, and then Leandro González... Uh, put the hand or, or the arm before uh, uh, behind his back. It was way, way, way before the, the ball hits. So I don't see what else can he do, can a defender do. And, and one of the things that, I mean, when, when you read the, the rule book, soccer rule book, they don't want the arm uh, to occupy more space than that it should. Right. And for me, Leandro gonzalez Pinning wasn't doing that. Leandro Gonzalez was avoiding that, and the ball came to his hand. The hand didn't ca- didn't didn't went to 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 the ball, uh, but it wasn't. I don't know. I don't know what 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 do you think about so it? So I'm glad we have you on the podcast because we are disagreeing more than I disagree with Jose Armando or or maybe uh, uh, or maybe Michelle. I absolutely think it's a handball, and I think that 
you know, that's the reason why they don't go to VAR. Was it clear for you? I, I think, look, I think he, like you said, Leandro Gonzalez Pires makes the intention to put his arm behind his back so that it doesn't hit him there and a handball's not called. But in the process of doing so, it still hits him in the arm. So it's it's a bit unlucky and a bit unfortunate for him and for Inter Miami because obviously he's clearly trying to avoid having a handball. But it, yeah. he, but it does hit his arm, and his arm is still outstretched. It's not he hadn't he hadn't tucked it in yet. So it, it makes it, for you it makes his profile bigger. Space? Yes, I think it makes his profile bigger. It defends it obviously okay. the arm, with the arm being outstretched and trying to come back in. It's, it's, That's it, the part it, where we don't agree. Yes, yeah, so, I think that it, that it doesn't. The, the, the listeners, I know, comment uh, on the podcast, on this podcast, on this episode. What do you think about yeah, it? Yeah, no, right? they'll, they'll let us know if they thought it was a handball or not. I know I saw some people say they thought it was a, a rough call or a harsh call. Others said it, it is a penalty kick. Phil Neville, after the game, said it was a 50-50. So he didn't really have much of a, of a criticism for the referees. So... Look, I, it was a tough call, but I think it's it is a penalty kick. I do think he does make his profile, his person, a bit bigger in terms of defending with his arm outstretched, even though he's trying to tuck it in. Even though he's trying to tuck it in. So again, I think it's a bit unfortunate for them, but I think it was a penalty kick. Regardless, it was it was called that, and Joseph Martinez puts the the game winning shot away. Now going into Inter Miami's performance, what was your biggest takeaway from what you saw? Obviously, they got back to being defensively more solid, not giving up a whole lot, although there were a couple of chances that Ezequiel Barco and Joseph Martinez missed in the first half. But but again, the attack didn't generate a whole lot. Zero shots on target. Robbie Robinson probably had the best look of the game for Inter Miami late in the first half, but he scuffs his shot and, and sends it wide of the net. It would expect yeah. him to do better there, but... You know, what'd you think? What was your biggest takeaway from this game? Well, as as you say that like this the solid in defense, it was something to uh, it is something to comment, especially because Kelvin Leardam was uh, playing, and I don't know if you felt the same, but uh, the game again against Nash, Nashville, uh, Phil Neville at the press conference he said that he needed players that uh, wanted to defend. And I felt that that was a little bit uh, about Kelvin Leardam because I didn't see him running in that game against Nashville. So uh, considering that uh, he came from a bad game and that uh, he he played in, in that middle of the defensive line uh, and considering that in, uh, and that they somehow managed to recover that uh, uh, good death defense, a little bit good, not that good. Uh, I think that that's a point a point to highlight. I'm, I'm not sure about... Uh, well, the thing is not the position where Rodolfo Pizarro was playing, but it was it's still being as how he's playing, in my opinion. He, he lost many, many balls. Uh, he, he just managed to, to, to win, to won uh, four out of 12 uh, ground duels. And... and 89% of their passes, of his passes, were were good. But the thing is not when he tries to 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 pass the ball, because most of the time he does it to the back or to or to his sides. He doesn't pass that much the ball to the front. So for me, and we can touch on Pizarro a little bit more here because he played as a, as a more of a central midfielder. Something yeah. something I've touched on since last season. I think Pizarro just based off his skill set. He's not a yeah. traditional number 10. I think with the qualities he has, he can make for a good number 8 like we saw in this game. I know you, you're being you're critical of his performance. I liked what I saw from Pizarro. I liked him okay. picking up the ball from the defense, carrying it forward, be it on the dribble or, or via passes. Obviously, he's not a huge ball winner. He's not Gregory. So, you know, those numbers statistically aren't going to be great. It's, because it's a different profile for sure. So I think that... That's you live with that because that's not necessarily his function. I think his role is more to distribute and help generate attacking sequences, which Inter Miami did a decent job of in the first half. They kind of got away from it, or they lost a little bit of their stranglehold or their control in the game in the second half. But in the first half, there were some sequences where Inter Miami moved the ball through the middle of the field, mostly through Pizarro. And they were able to do that because he he's more technical. He has a, a clean first touch. Uh, 
un buen pie, as we say in Spanish. So I, I liked what I saw from him there. I think that we're going to see more of that. Phil Neville said after the game he thought it was Rodolfo Pizarro's probably his best performance this season. I don't know if I agree with that, but I do think Pizarro had a good game. I think he was one of the better players, in my opinion, in terms of what he what he needed to do for his position. So obviously they didn't yeah. create a whole lot, but they did have moments. They did have certain moments. Again, especially in that first half, you think about the Robbie Robinson play. I believe Pizarro was involved in that one. He also, I think, if I'm not mistaken, passes the one to Blaise Matuidi on the left flank. That doesn't end up in a shot, but it ends up in a in a close aproximación, a, a close, a near opportunity. That you know, it does yeah. it doesn't lead to a shot, but it leads to a near opportunity. So. I like the role for yep. Pizarro's performance. I think we'll see him there again. I think Inter Miami should have realized this long long ago that his skill set gives them more of a number eight than a number ten. I think that they were trying to force him to be a bit more a bit too creative or put him in a creative position when it's not necessarily his strongest yep. strongest fit. But but the thing is that it, it kind of was when he used to play in Monterrey. You know, it was kind of uh, his 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 ability to play in that uh, part of the of the pitch. But the thing in, with in, in Inter Miami is that uh, he usually crash or or yeah crash a lot with with Gonzalo Higuain because as as he has said many times, if he doesn't uh, receive the ball up in the tag, uh, he he gets bored and he has to. Come down, and there is where we find Gonzalo Higuain and Rodolfo Pizarro uh, very near or very close to the to 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 each other during the games. So I I, I agree with you that I, I think that uh, this position, considering the context, because as I said, he used to play in that part of the of the field uh, with Monterrey, but considering the team, uh, he 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 can maybe play better here. When when I when I talk about Rodolfo Pizarro and when I judge him, uh, it's because he, he he needs for me he needs to be one of the star players here in, in the MLS. Remember that he's one of the three uh, designated players in Inter Miami, and he was brought here from Monterrey after they won that league in Mexico uh, as a star player in Mexico. They were talking about Rodolfo Pizarro going to Europe from Mexico to Europe that season. And he came here and all the Mexico press was saying, how is he going to the MLS if he has a level to be in Europe right now? He's in his best moment uh, of his career and so on. And I haven't seen that since he got to 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 the MLS. As I said before, I want to see Rodolfo Pizarro fighting for the MVP of the season. I want to see Rodolfo Pizarro uh, fighting against the best number 10s or midfielders of this season. So... I've touched on it on this podcast on a number of occasions. Haven't done so with you yet, so this is uh, refreshing to hear. You know your stance, and it's a bit of a different stance. But for me, I agree. Look, I agree. I don't think Rodolfo Pizarro has played to the level that was expected of him by and large since his arrival. Full in agreement with that. However, I think the reasons for that, right? You you can see the 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 what, but we have to look for the why and the how. I think one of the reasons why he has struggled, especially this season, to give his best or, or deliver his best type of performances is because he and Gonzalo Higuain on the field just do not click. They just don't work together. The chemistry yeah. isn't there. That's you know, Gonzalo Higuain true. drops back into the middle to, to play as a, as a phone number 10 at times. That obviously has impacted Rodolfo Pizarro's positioning because that was where he was playing. So now he's been used out wide on the left, out wide on the right. Now he's been used as a, as a central midfielder, as more of an eight. So clearly, Gonzalo Higuain's arrival into the team, start, and this goes back to last year, coincides with a dip in performance levels from Rodolfo Pizarro. Because if you remember, if you look back at the start of the 2020 season, yeah. the expansion year... Rodolfo Pizarro, I'm not going to say he was the best playmaker in the league, but he was very involved in the good things Inter Miami did do under Diego Alonso. And that's primarily because he was playing as the the, the focal point of the attack. Yeah. The plays went the, everything went through him. He was helping create And Gonzalo wasn't. And and he was and he was getting a lot of touches. Gonzalo Higuain wasn't around. Yeah. Now once Gonzalo Higuain arrives yeah. in the fall of twenty twenty and they have to f- figure out how to how to work alongside one another. 
Rodolfo Pizarro's performances coincidentally or maybe not coincidentally take a dip and we have not seen yeah. that same level from Pizarro by and large even through this year so I think it goes I think that has a big uh, big factor as to why Pizarro is not being able to influence games as much but Again, I like what I saw from him against Atlanta United in the central midfield spot. Speaking of Iguain, in this last game, he was up top with Robbie Robinson. Again, he dropped back into a faux number 10 role to help get on the ball and playmake a little bit, try to set things up for Robinson, who played in a more advanced position for much of the game. I do believe they switched roles a little bit there for a, a period in the second half before Robbie Robinson came off. So what did you think of that of that look? Did you like having Iguain drop deeper and Robbie Robinson play up top as a more pure number nine? Or did you not like that look from film level? I prefer Gonzalo Iguain playing uh, in the area, you know, as a number nine. But I understand now that this is what it needs to be done. Considering that I, I, I've asked uh, Gonzalo Iguain many times these questions, this question about... Uh, how he goes uh, to play like a number 10 almost. And and, and he says, like, I, I get bored when I don't uh, receive the ball. Uh, the players, they don't uh, do enough passes between lines for me, so I have to go back. So considering that, considering that that's Gonzalo's opinion, and considering, too, that uh, some of the best moments uh, of, of, of some of the better moments of Inter Miami in attack, it's Juan Gonzalo Wayne comes to to play a, to play a little bit with uh, his midfielders. So considering that, uh, consider that that's where Gonzalo Wayne wants to play. That's the only th- solution that I find. Robbie Robinson up on the front and Gonzalo Wayne a little bit uh, more behind as almost a number ten, or instead of Robbie Robinson, also Julian Carranza. But Robbie Robinson for me, it's a player that he has the potential to score more goals. Uh, but he has to to uh, I know what to call this in 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 English like put his face up uh, alzar la cara in español in Spanish uh, uh, a little bit more so so to, he knows to pick where, his head up yeah so so he knows where where the net is you know but considering those circumstances I, I like it what about you. I do not like Robbie Robinson as a number nine. Man, we just disagree. Yeah, we disagree. That's all. Yeah, we we just have a different way of viewing the game, which is it's fine. It's part of the beautiful. That's why they call it the beautiful sport (laughs) or the beautiful game. Excuse me, because obviously it's there's very different opinions on what what a player is, what a player is not, if he fits here, if he doesn't fit there. So it's part of the charm that the sport has. So look, I think he's not a good number nine. I don't think he has the qualities to okay. be a good number nine. I think he's better on the wing. I think his best games That's in true. an Inter-Miami jersey have come with him outside where he has space, more space to attack players with his speed and his dribbling. When he's up top as a number nine, I just don't think he has the know-how, first of all, to unmark himself from two center backs, right? Because normally you're up against two center backs if you're a lone striker, unless there's a team that plays with three. But let's just say two. I don't think he has the ability to unmark himself from from two players. I also don't think he has the technical qualities to be a number nine. And I think we saw that in this game on the shot. The shot, the, the best chance of the game comes late in the first half off of a very good sequence from Inter Miami where they build the ball or they take the ball up from back to front, build up from right to left. It ends up with a Karen Gibbs low cross to a wide open Robbie Robinson. And he scuffs the shot, sends it wide. All the players that were around him, all the Inter-Miami players that were around him in the attack, they all put their hands over their heads because they could not believe that that did not go into the back of yeah. the net. Because that is a chance that needs to be put away. And if you're a number nine that is the that is a goal you cannot miss, and I don't think I, I, he had. I don't I think he has the more. efficiency. I don't think he has the efficiency. I don't think he has the technical skills to be a number nine. I think he needs to play out on the wing. I understand the thinking. I understand Phil Neville trying to have the thing is, what do drop. you do with what you have? Correct. Now no, no. So I, I understand. I, I agree with you. Robbie Robinson is is way better uh, on the side, and he doesn't have that. Uh, he, he's not that effective. Uh, with, with the goal, but with what you have, with what the players that you have right now, and with what Gonzalo Wayne likes to do in this Inter Miami, what else can you do? But but that's, so that's my so that's my question, and we can, this can be the final topic on on this game. Gonzalo Wayne 
might drop back to feel out the game or to pick up the mm-hmm. ball because he's not getting enough touches. But th- if that's not really helping the team, if they need him in the box scoring goals, isn't that on Phil Neville to say, look, don't drop back. Stay up there. Stay disciplined. Just like you have players that have to stay disciplined defensively and tactically, stay up there and wait for the balls because we need you to do that. We need you to be in the penalty area because you are our most lethal finisher. Isn't that on Phil Neville to, to figure that yeah. out? I don't, I don't, I get the idea of trying to make him get on the ball as the 10 because that, that plays to the penchant and the habits that he's shown this season. But if it's better for the team to play up top, then why why don't they just play him up top? I don't I don't know if if that's something Gonzalo is just not going to do, or if Phil Neville isn't you know isn't able to to get him to buy into just staying up there. I don't know. I think the best thing would be for him to stay up top to help finish things off because he is the most lethal scorer. He is the best finisher on this team, and if he's not in the box, if he's dropping back to create, then that takes away from the chances he's going to have in the penalty area in the moments he'll be in the box to help finish things off for teammates. I, yeah. I get he can be frustrated by not getting the ball, but I don't know. I think that they need to, at this point in the season, it's pretty late to figure it out, but get him to stay in the box because Robbie Robinson isn't a number nine, or in my opinion, isn't isn't good enough to be the number nine up top. I think it has to be Gonzalo Higuain. I think that's, you know, you brought him on to score goals and finish plays. And he's done that, but he's also shown a big, big penchant for dropping back, which is not what we expected or anyone really expected when he yeah. was signed from uh, as a free agent from, from Europe. Okay, I have two things to say about this. The first one, this debate is lovely. Okay, what we're doing here, the program is lovely. I congratulate you. Uh, it's nice uh, to be able to talk with you uh, about the things that we just think because... We are clear that we are not managers. Uh, they know way better, way way more than us. But uh, I agree with you. I would like to see Gonzalo Wayne there, and I agree with uh, Phil Neville. Uh, has to has uh, is it's the one that has to say to 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 Gonzalo Wayne, hey, I need you to be number nine. I don't I don't want you to drop back. But the thing is that do do you see Inter Miami playing better with Gonzalo Wayne? In the area playing as a number nine, do you see the mid uh, the midfielders and the team creating enough occasions so Gonzalo Wayne doesn't get bored playing as a number nine? Because because that's what I don't see that is happening, and and that's where I understand the Argentinian dropping back. Look, the team is not a very well-constructed team. It has a lot of weaknesses, a lot of deficiencies. But again, Gonzalo Higuain, for me, needs to just be there in the box, finishing things off. Him, him dropping to pick up the ball and create, especially with the the lack of speed that he has and the overall lack of energy, yeah, yeah. you know, just generally speaking, it, t- it, just, yeah. it just takes away from the chances that he can finish finish things off in the box. There's plenty of plays over the course of the season where we've seen crosses go into the penalty area and there's no one there to, to, to meet it. Not even anyone in close proximity because Gonzalo Higuain's just not there. So if you don't have your him up there, right, and this last game they did have Robbie Robinson, but in other moments they haven't, you lose your number nine as a reference point in the attack. There's, yeah. there's no one there. So, that you know, I think, I think Phil Neville's trying to make do with what he's got, but... Exactly. I, I think I think there has to be a way to get Gonzalo Higuain to to be in that box and stay in that box to to try to finish things off. Because if that ball had fallen to him, I have no doubt he puts that away. A few times that I saw uh, Gonzalo Higuain doing that job, it was when Federico Higuain used to play. Yeah, he, he doesn't do it anymore. Like I I I don't think Phil Neville likes him because he he doesn't give him any even twenty or fifteen minutes, but. Yeah, he's he's definitely fallen a bit out of favor for sure. But you know, we'll see what we'll see how Inter Miami approaches things because clearly they need to get goals in order to win games. So let's leave it there, Daidon. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back for the Q and A session and our final thoughts after this. Q and A. Okay, Dylan, Q&A 
time. It's your first one. You're making your debut. Let's see how you do. First question Woo. comes from Don Cafecito. You're pretty excited, huh? The first one comes from yeah. Don Cafecito. As feared, McCoon got called up for national team duties. Do you think he'll make his senior debut against Brazil? So I will let you start, Dairon, since you are the resident Venezuelan on Miami Total Football Radio now. So go. you can start, and then I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off of you. Man, that's a tough question. I don't know if against Brazil, because Venezuela already has like a very good uh, centre-back that is Nahuel Ferraresi. So he will be, uh, for sure, one of the centre-backs. The question is, who will be with him? In my opinion, Christian Macum should be the one. Considering that, that Venezuela, uh, his, his other uh, starting centre-back is Jordan Osorio, but he won't be there because he, he's got an injury in, back in, in Italy. But uh, I don't know. I think that Leo Gonzalez, who is the coach of Venezuelan coach, he's going to prefer either John Chancellor or Adrian Martinez uh, because of their experience. They have, uh, they have uh, played uh, a little bit more or they have played more games with Venezuela than, than Christian Macum because he hasn't played uh, yet with the absolute team because he, has, he had done it with the under 20 and under uh, 17. I do think that Christian McCoon is gonna be is gonna do his debut in this uh, triple fixture uh, in South America, but I don't know against Brazil because I would like him too. Uh, but uh, I think that Leo Gonzalez is gonna prefer someone with more games. He's going to be at the international level, the top full international level with the full national team for the first time. He's going to yeah. be learning about his teammates for the first time, learning about the coaching staffs way of doing things for the first time, the tactics, the strategy, all those things come into play here. So I don't think there's any chance, especially against this opponent, which is Brazil. I don't think there's any chance that he starts. Yeah, He could make his debut, but I think it's more likely that maybe you see him in one of the other two games. I don't know if a, if a situation is going to come where in the game that's going to make for the coach to say, all right, Makun, your, your, your chance is here. So maybe against Ecuador or, or Chile, but... But we'll see how, how that goes for Christian McCoon. The fact that he's been called yeah. up is obviously a, a good reward for the continued solid performances he's had there at the back four Inter Miami as the left center back in that back five. I think just the experience yeah, yeah. comes into comes into play here, the lack of familiarity with yeah, players. Yeah, we, and we agree on that. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't I, I listen, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't see a single yeah. minute in this three three fixture date. I think that he might just be getting introduced into things and you know then yeah. he'll be he'll be projected for the longer term future so we'll see we'll see how how venezuela manages him and what he does but obviously a good good bit of news for him personally to to get that call up next question comes yeah. from dos knows what's going on with the new stadium in miami any news so there <laughs> is no new information on the stadium no. jorge mas on a few occasions this year on a couple of occasions i'll say to be more accurate has said expect an update in 60 to 90 days and that's never happened those those 60 to 90 days have both come and gone and there's been nothing new to report so it's looking like it's going to be a continued challenge for inter miami to get that deal over the finish line and, and start building in miami it looks like they're going to be a drag pink stadium for the foreseeable future at least as things stand right now and i don't know franco i once uh, talking to carlos suarez he's a sports journalist, Venezuelan sports journalist too, but he lives here in Miami. He he works for DirecTV Sports, and and he he the first time that he went to the stadium, I was with him and he told me I I see Inter Miami staying here. I don't see why they need a bigger stadium. I understand that David Beckham and Jorge Mas they um, Mas brothers they have uh, their project, but this uh, stadium, the Drive Think Stadium, looks like a pretty a good place to stay, a pretty solid uh, place, uh, a pretty solid stadium, and I don't know. It does, I just say that it doesn't surprise you if if that's what ended up happening, okay? Yeah, look, I, I don't think Drive Pink Stadium is a bad stadium, but I do think they need... A, For them, it's perfect. But but I think they need a more modern a more modern stadium that's more state yeah, of the I, art that's a little more glitzy and glamorous this one's clearly was done very fast done yeah. in a very commendable way given the quick timeline that they had to build it in but 
I think they need something that's a little more state of the art just for uh, even better and even better gaming experience. Also, they want to be closer to Miami proper to to just be in that in that area so they can get even more fans out on a consistent basis. So, but I, I don't think that's going to happen at any point in the near future. Next question comes from Gabe P. It's a two tweet question, so bear with me here. Looking at okay. the structure of the team, I think the academy should have a USL championship side. All top academy programs have a USL team and maybe move the under-17 to USL 1. It would increase the challenge level and therefore the quality. Do you think Inter-Miami should buy a women's team? Or should we wait until we learn all the details on how to run a successful team with the men first and then move to the other league? To be honest, I wouldn't mind if we make the Fort Lauderdale team the women's team. I think it would help their community feel feel the ownership of it. Yeah. So... Look, okay. there's a lot. There's a lot in there. As Gabe P norm- yeah. normally packs a good punch, there's a lot there. Look, I think Inter Miami right now needs to focus just on the Inter Miami side because clearly they've run into a lot of hurdles in trying to build this thing. They've run into issues off the field, on the field, all, all over, and they've gotten a quite. They've had quite a bit of growing pains. So I don't think they need to add anything else to their plate right now because they yeah. have quite a bit as it is and they've had issues just even figuring it out they're still going through learning this learning curve so i think they need to just stick with their focus mainly on inter miami for the foreseeable future for the next several years because they have the sanctions coming up and they're going to have to work their way out of that so i think the focus should just be on inter miami for the foreseeable future yeah i i couldn't agree more i think that they need to to establish first what what they have uh, before uh, thinking about creating another another team or, or anything. Okay, so the last question comes from Elder Bar, and he asks, do you guys closer to the inside of the club feel like this team is doomed? I watch Fort Lauderdale CF, and I just don't see anything impressive or feel that they can make it in MLS. The club just doesn't seem to be producing much hope for me, LOL. So... Elder Bar, I won't say that the club is doomed. And I, I mean, I'll speak just mm. from a personal standpoint. I don't think that the club is doomed, or I don't feel that from being, you know, maybe a bit closer than some of the fans. I do think that they have gone through a lot of growing pains, as I just mentioned before. I think that there's been a lot of missteps, a lot of mistakes made. It goes back to maybe even the very first decision, which was to hire Paul McDonough over Chris Henderson back when they had those two as the finalists for the sporting director job. I think there's been a lot of issues since then. I think you know there, there, there's been a trickle-down effect, a domino effect, and I think it's going to take some time for this team to really get back on track. But having said all of that, I think once this team can figure that out, I think this team can be... Uh, one of the biggest teams in the in the league. Not only because of the city, not only because of David Beckham and the brand. I think that they have the potential with Jorge Mas as the owner to really, really push the envelope in MLS and be one of the main protagonists, one of the clubs that people around the world talk about as being the best performing teams in the league. Like the Seattle Sounders are right now, like the LA Galaxy yeah. used to be. So I think Inter Miami has the potential to do that. I just think that they are going through growing pains as an expansion side. And look, this is not exclusive to Inter Miami. Inter Miami is not the only team that's come out of the gates and struggled in a big way. Most yeah. expansion teams do struggle because it's new. It's a, such a new thing. Now, Atlanta United and LAFC, they came out of the gates with a little bit more success, so that raised the bar, and obviously Inter-Miami came out talking a big game about trying to replicate that, but if you look at most expansion teams, most expansion teams have struggles. Now, that doesn't excuse Inter-Miami, because they never said, hey, look, we're, this, is a, this is a long-term project, they said they wanted to compete from day one, That's yeah. their, those are their ambitions, those are the ambitions we measure them up against. I'm not excusing them, but I do think that they've had a lot of growing pains and a lot of issues that have prevented them from really succeeding. Yeah, for sure. It was such a difficult start uh, because we have to talk about the pandemic that was in the middle of it. The the whole COVID-19 uh, uh, got in, in the very start of this expansion team. Uh, but they, they do for sure have the, the potential, Franco. I think QA. It's the part of this program when we can agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been disagreeing up until now. Now, now we're all of a sudden we're buddy buddy. 
they, they will compete. One of, one of the things about uh, this Inter Miami in his first in, in their first two seasons is that I, I don't think that they have found yet a coach that fits to them perfectly. Diego Alonso wasn't clear, uh, clear, very clear the one in the first season. And and Phil Neville hasn't hasn't proved it yet, you know. I do think that Phil Neville has left some things, uh, not just uh, in Inter Miami, but also in, in in the academy, in the organization of the whole team. I I, I was talking to someone in, in the team, and he 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 was telling me how uh, the way the, the team work changed since Phil Neville and his team uh, got. To, to or arrive in Inter Miami, how how they started to talk everything from from the press team to to the to the lineup to to everyone to everyone in the team. Not talking just about coaches and players. I'm talking about everyone. I think Phil Neville uh, put 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 that uh, on the table that Inter Miami didn't have in the beginning, and he did add something. But I don't think that is the coach that is gonna make uh, Inter Miami shine. Once they found find it, uh, Inter Miami is gonna compete for sure. Okay, well that does it for the Q and A session. Dylan, you made it through. You survived, so all is well there. Let's give our final thoughts. You can start if you don't mind. Then I will go, and we'll wrap up the pod after that. Man, first of all, uh, congratulate you for for this podcast. Uh, I'm very thankful with you for considering me to uh, to 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 come here and and talk to your listeners uh, about Inter Miami. I once again, I, I please sorry for for my English. I did my best. Uh, this is my best for now. Uh, I hope to 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 get it even even uh, even better. Uh, what can I say? Thank you and well. Uh, I want to see. I want to see what happens with Christian McCoon uh, in in Venezuela, because I do think that he has the potential to be a, a center, a, a first, uh, a first starter. I started with with Venezuelan team, considering that what 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 Venezuela has in this moment. I think that uh, Christian McCoon uh, has changed his history since he came to Inter Miami. He started. Uh, Franco, you know, with not having too much minutes uh, with uh, Diego Alonso after that he got COVID, his recovery wasn't that well. That's why he went uh, down to to Florida, though, because he he told me that there was a point where uh, he couldn't even play uh, FIFA on on PS because uh, he 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 would get so tired. So he changed that. He changed his history and he's now. Uh, for his first time being called to to the national team, and I hope uh, that this is the first one of of many. I think that he has that potential. So my final thought, funny enough, is on something you just touched on, which is it's video gaming football yeah. season because both <laughs> because both FIFA 22 and eFootball 22 or 2022, formerly known as Pro Evolution Soccer, both dropped this week. FIFA came out on Friday, eFootball came out on Thursday. I haven't had a chance yet to play, but I am a big football gaming person, so I will test both out like I do every single year. I've been more of an eFootball Pez guy in recent years, but the reviews right now are not looking too good for that game, mm-hmm. although, although it is free. It is free to download, and right now it's in pretty much a demo stage where you can only pick out of a handful of teams. The full release is expected in November. But I'm going to test it out once I get back to South Florida on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, before the Inter-Miami match. See what it's about, because I tend to like that one more than FIFA. FIFA just doesn't really do it for me on a year-to-year basis. Just I don't think it mimics what we see on that, TV and in person. Uh, that's another disagreement. Uh, oh, you're, you're, you're a FIFA guy? I'm a FIFA guy. Oh, man, if I would have sure. known that before the podcast, I would, I would not have invited you, man. Because I, like, I, I really dislike FIFA. I really, there was a period early in the 2010s where I was playing FIFA. I thought it was the better of the two video games. But 
over the last 15, 20 years, I've been playing PES more than FIFA. I, I, like I said, I try both mm-hmm. out, and I go with the one I think is better on a given year. I think PES has been better for the last few years, but FIFA just doesn't do it for me, man. Every goal is a bicycle yeah. kick or a volley or a shot to the top corner. You can't even get second players to defend now, or you couldn't in the last version. So, I don't know. The game, to me, is pretty glitchy and broken, but... Again, I haven't played the new one, so I'll 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 see how it, what it's like. I'll see what the new eFootball is like as well, because like I said before, the reviews aren't great as to uh, as to the gameplay. We I wait for my invitation then to to try the game. Yeah, no, we we, we should we should play. We should uh, maybe we should test it out and see. Are you a PlayStation or you're an Xbox guy? I'm a PlayStation guy. Okay, did you are you on the PS5 or are you still on the PS4? I'm on the PS5 right now. Yeah, nice, 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 nice. Okay, because Jose, Jose Armando, which for listeners that have been listening and are still listening to the podcast right now, Jose Armando has landed his PS5. He had been trying for several weeks and months, and he finally was able to get one. He just he just informed me of that news <laughs> yes, on, yes, yesterday. Go, so, so he's happy about that one. He's been after it for a good while. So that does it for our final thoughts. That does it for this week's podcast. Thank you again to Dairon Quiroz for joining us here and sharing his thoughts we had quite a bit of disagreements as well as agreements listeners don't forget to give us a review on apple Podcasts as well as follow us on all our social media channels we'll be back in a few days to recap and review the game against the Portland timbers and preview the following match against the new york red bulls so i am franco peniza this is miami total football radio and we'll talk to you guys again